Hey folks, welcome to the Great Conversations Podcast. I'm your host, Calvin Smith, and this is where we discuss five big topics. The gospel, relevance, evangelism, apologetics, and training for Christians, all in relation to the truth of God's word in Genesis as the seedbed of all Christian doctrines. And what we're going to be covering today is really about the future of our country, my country of Canada and other Western countries, if the cultural and political trends that we see right now continue the way they're going. We're going to just uh, dig into Bill C-6 here in Canada, what that could mean for Christians and our culture. But, you know, what got me thinking about putting this together was that recently uh, my wife and I were having a, a discussion over grammar. It's probably not the most exciting topic <laughs> of conversation, perhaps a sign that we're getting a little older uh, than we think anyway. But the point of contention was the phrase, you've got another thing coming versus you've got another think coming. Now, I've always heard it one way. You've got another thing coming. As a matter of fact, uh, in my teens, I'd be chanting along to this heavy metal song that was playing on the radio because it had that exact title. So it kind of got drilled into my head. But anyway, my wife politely disagreed that it simply isn't going to, uh, you know, correct to say that way grammatically. So anyway, I prefer the former. She prefers the latter. And I'll leave all of you grammar Nazis out there to contend with who you feel is correct. But it got me thinking, about the many times I've had believers in Canada object to what I always deem to be some very logical conclusions that I've made in my presentations at churches over the past 20 years here in Canada, and sometimes internationally, that if the assault on biblical authority founded in Genesis 1-11 to as the seedbed for all Christian doctrines, and the current assault on Christian values and freedoms continues in Canada, eventually the Bible and the gospel itself will be outlawed. Now, the first thing that many people uh, say when you put that out there is this, look, that's never going to happen. And I mean, many times, you, you know, you'd see people have a little smirk or this big Robert Downey Jr. eye roll and this look of astonishment on their face. And, you know, they would say something to that effect. But that would never happen in Canada. Our Charter of Rights and Freedoms simply wouldn't allow it. Well, if you were or are still one of those people that thinks that's the case, well, you've got another thing or think you pick coming. How's your charter of rights and freedoms doing now? But you see, what I'll bet now is this, that there's not many of you listening anymore who do think that sounds absurd, is there? Because the amount of change that we've seen in this culture in the last five years is enough to make your head spin. But I've still noticed that many Christian Canadians still aren't able to see the clear connection of what's currently happening in our country to where we're headed if we don't make some drastic changes immediately in our churches and communities. So to put it simply, it all boils down to the lack of submission to the authority of God's word, both in the church and without. But that didn't happen overnight. And if you don't understand how we got to this point, you're not going to be able to do much about it. So to recap... Years ago, naturalists began questioning the authority of the Bible in regard to the age of the earth, where life began, whether humans evolved from ape-like creatures versus Adam and Eve, and they used concepts like dinosaurs having supposedly existed millions of years before the biblical timeline to undermine confidence in Genesis. And because their arguments claimed to be scientific, many people accepted them as truth, including many Christians. Now, this was all before anyone had really heard of the, the, you know, the term fake news, but in effect, it was like fake science. You couldn't repeat what you were talking about in a lab. It was all just one big story. But when Christian leaders began accepting evolutionary ideas and submitted to the authority of secular science over the plain reading of Genesis, they signaled that the Bible didn't have to be taken as plainly written anymore. 
Now, by setting that precedent, it didn't take long for the culture, both inside and outside the church, to logically recognize that if the earthly things the Bible spoke about weren't true, why believe the heavenly things either? And that's when everything started sliding down the hill, so to speak. But of course, it wasn't like a runaway train. Okay, it started slowly, but surely. Now, logically, the culture began to ask questions like, well, why should marriage be only between one man and one woman? And, and why should human life be considered special? And, and on what basis do you, can, you know, determine right from wrong? And whenever a Christian would try to defend these ideas biblically by pointing to specific Bible passages, well, their opponent could just always point to Genesis and say, well, if you don't have to take uh, this part of the Bible as plainly written, why should we have to hold to this part as plainly written? Which was logical. Now, again, it, it didn't happen overnight. Even though it had basically given its true authority away, the church, because it was well-established and embedded in the fabric of society, continued to hold some sway over public policy. And of course, people would commonly refer to concepts like common sense when discussing issues like gender or sexuality, marriage and life issues. But folks, common sense in a society only makes sense when there's a commonality among the people in it. And because every generation, every next generation, the children, even the majority of those from Christian homes, were educated for the most part in a continually increasing secular school system, the divide between those generations became wider and wider all the time. As the highly influential atheist Charles Potter said way back in 1930, education is thus the most powerful ally of humanism, and every American school is a school of humanism. What can a theistic Sunday school meeting for an hour once a week and teaching only a fraction of the children do to stem the tide of the five-day program of humanistic teaching? Folks, that was way back in 1930. They'd already established the plan, co-opted the school system, had access to the vast majority of minds that would influence the next generation, and they put the plan into place. But the church still had a good solid footing in society back then. Well, today it's kind of like hanging off the edge of a cliff with secular standing on top of you, you know, waiting to stomp your hands. See, today the, the, the lack of biblical authority hasn't simply just been abandoned in Canada. It's actually under vicious attack. Take a, a recent CBC article titled Residential Schools Cast Long Shadow on LGBTQ2 Community in Northern Ontario, for example. In it, they attribute increasing youth suicide in Aboriginal communities in Northern Ontario as the direct result of the clear teaching of Scripture by a local Christian ministry. Quote, an evangelical Christian group, which operated some of the last Indian residential schools in Canada, continues to run youth programs in Northern Ontario that members of the LGBTQ2 community say convey a harmful message and may be costing lives. Well, the article fails to mention that in 2016, according to Saul Mamakwa, the NDP um, member for the Kuwaitanuing Riding, the suicide rate for children under the age of 15 in First Nations that, that he represents well, it was already 50 times higher than the national average in 2016. And Statistics Canada has published data that suicides amongst First Nations people, Métis and Inuit, between 2011 and 2016 were far beyond the national average in all categories, often attributed to a wide variety of different harsh socioeconomic situations. Also, as the analysis of the COVID-19 situation effects are now showing, youth suicide during the shutdowns has increased 
across all of our nation uh, beyond the typical statistics and none of that was mentioned in the article. The only cause of increased suicide in this article was ascribed to the teaching of scripture in the area of sexual ethics and identity. But the most insidious part of the article comes about halfway through when it asks, is it conversion therapy? Here's the argument in the words of Christopher Wells, Canada Research Chair of Public Understanding of Sexual and Gender Minority Youth at uh, McEwen University. Telling LGBTQ people that homosexuality is a choice and a sin is an attempt to fundamentally deny or change who they are, Wells said. And that could be construed as a form of conversion therapy, a practice that is against the law in Ontario when it involves minors. Conversion therapy is an, any attempt to fix, change, repair, or repress a person's sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression, Wells said. It's been classified as torture, banned by professional organizations, restricted by governments, and outlawed by several countries around the world. Well, Canada's justice minister introduced a bill to ban conversion therapy on October 1st, 2020. And if that bill passes, the bill would create five new criminal code offenses relating to conversion therapy. Advertising an offer to provide conversion therapy and, and receiving a financial or other material benefit from the provision of, of conversion therapy are two of those offenses. So it could easily be argued that churches do one or both of these, right? But the issue that affects the gospel directly, of course, is that the definition of conversion therapy includes efforts to repress or reduce sexual, uh, sexual behavior. And although the Justice Department said the legislation would not criminalize private conversations in which personal views on sexual orientation, sexual feelings, or gender identity are expressed, such as where teachers, school counselors, pastoral counselors, faith leaders, doctors, mental health professionals, friends, or family members provide uh, support to persons struggling with their sexual orientation, sexual feelings, or gender identity. I mean, how many of us really believe that's going to be upheld for long? For example, when our justice minister, David Lametti, was asked during a previous Q&A dealing with these issues, whether it would be legal for religious leaders to speak out about homosexuality, he replied, well, it's an open-ended and exploratory conversation. He, he went on to say, what is covered by this legislation are practices that attempt to change one's orientation towards a predefined goal. Well, let's connect the dots here, folks. This could easily lead to criminalizing sharing the love of God with people. The gospel says that we're all sinners, that we all need to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. To repent is to turn from sin and practice it no more. Sin is defined in scripture, which includes sexual sin very clearly. The gospel is by definition a plea for individuals to change their sinful orientation on many things, besides sexuality too, towards a predefined goal, conformity to Christ. Brothers and sisters, what is actually in play here in our courts in Canada is the criminalization of the Great Commission. That commission and the definition of sin are clearly laid out in the Bible. And once the actions commanded to Christians to perform are declared criminal, the source of those commanded actions will also be criminalized. But you know what I hear from some people now? Well, look, I, I, I get what you're saying, but it, it's too late for that creation evolution debate. We've lost that battle and, and we've got bigger fish to fry now. Look around, we, we've got to do something. Yeah, I know, just like that pornography battle, right? Just like that abortion battle we lost. Just like that traditional marriage battle we lost. Just like the gender identity issue. 
I mean, there's always going to be bigger fish to fry if you don't fix the foundation. You can slap on a new coat of paint, put on some new siding, some windows, do whatever you want. But if you don't take the time to go in the basement, find the cracks, repair the foundation, the whole thing will come down sooner or later. And that's exactly what I heard from many of the most prominent Christian leaders over the years. Genesis, it's a side issue. Don't worry about it. I mean, you know, they don't take Genesis as plainly written, but they're such good teachers. So-and-so's book helped my marriage so much. You know, so-and-so's teaching on XYZ theology was such a blessing. And, and you answers in Genesis, people, you criticize them, and that's not very nice. Well, we don't criticize the person, but their theology? Yes. Because it's that slippery slope of unbelief that leads to the runaway train we see in our culture today. By the way, have you looked into where many of those folks are today theologically? You know, you don't know how many times I've heard lately this from a Christian. Well, did you hear what XYZ theologian just said? I mean, I don't, I don't know how he got so far off track. I mean, he used to be so solid. Well, go check out their stance on Genesis. Because if the foundation is destroyed, what can the righteous do? Only a return to the authority of God's word in all areas will bring about a reformation in our country. And that will only happen over time as biblical authority is brought back through the teaching of God's word and bold gospel proclamation. It's time to get active in our prayer, private and public life. It's time to stop compromising on the word of God as Matthew 10, 28 reminds us, and do not fear those who kill the body and but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. If you're appreciating this content, please visit the Answers in Genesis Canada website and consider donating to the ministry. And whatever platform you're accessing this on, of course, it's got a bunch of features where you can like and subscribe or share, perhaps do a review. And we really appreciate you taking the time to do so because it's probably the number one thing that you can do to help us continue to do outreach. Until next time, I'm Cal Smith. We'll see you later.